Hey, I want to welcome you to our online service here at New Life. And I'm so glad that you've come to join us, especially as we enter into a Thanksgiving season. And here, here's, my, here's my challenge, my, my hope for you, is that sometime over this next week, that you would have moments where you stop and where you pause. And like that old song says, you count your blessings. And you see how God has provided and how God has done so much. And that you would just enter into this season with thanksgiving and with gratitude. And so I'm praying for you uh, during this time that something new would be kind of bubbling up within you. Well, if you remember from the very first part of this video, uh, that there's resources down below. Make sure you check those out. You can get a note-taking sheet, all kinds of things available. You can see the different ways that you can give and respond. So don't miss out on that. It's right below. Also make sure to hit that subscribe button. That way you'll be kind of right on the forefront of getting notices when new videos post and you'll see what's going on here at New Life. So don't miss out on that. Well, if you have your Bibles and a note sheet that you've hopefully downloaded and, and gotten there, uh, I want you to take your Bible and I want you to turn to the book of Psalm uh, chapter 23, Psalms 23. And it's very familiar, but I want you to kind of get there and dive in with us. While you're doing that, I want to take a brief moment before we dive into the message uh, to share with you uh, just something I think is really important. You know, if you go back through history, you would find that times of crisis in our culture have often been followed by seasons of almost an increased hunger and a thirst for more of God. Think back in times when you know, our nation has faced really difficult times, even like, like 9-11, and you think of that, and in the aftermath of that, people were looking for hope and security and life, and so they would, they would turn to God, because it's almost like in crisis, we're reminded that there's more to life than just what's right here and what's right now, just even the situation that we're in. So people begin to look for, for answers, they look for peace, and they look for, for hope, and we know that the only answers, the only hope we have is found in Jesus Christ. Well, during these past 18 to 24 months, the challenges of COVID and the cultural issues we've been facing are really opening the door for a spiritual awakening and renewal right here in our own community. And I've said this before, but I say it again with, with passion and conviction that I believe the greatest days of ministry here at New Life are not in the past as great as that has been and as good as God has been in the past, I believe that our best ministry days are still in front of us. And you play a vital part in all that God wants to do in this new season. So I want to challenge you with two things to do as we finish out this year of 2021. The first is, I'm going to ask you to just you know, and maybe in your phone, in the notes section, or if you're a journaler, get that out. But I want you to make a list of three people in your life that maybe don't know Christ or that maybe right now just feel very disconnected and commit to pray for them every day. You're going to take these three friends, these three people you know, and just, just pray for them every single day and ask God to give you opportunities to love them and to care for them and to extend grace to them that they could experience the hope that comes from a life in Jesus Christ. So that's the first thing. The second thing I want to just challenge you to do is to make an investment in God's kingdom work right here at New Life. Whether you give regularly or not, I want to ask that you just be kind of pursuing God, that he would guide you in this kind of year-end season of generosity. I know that 
around here, our giving in these final months provide for our current ministries, but also it opens up the door for new opportunities to love people one step closer to Jesus. And finally, I want to share with you a commitment that we are choosing to make as a church family as we close out this year. You know, we have been and continue to be incredibly blessed to partner together with amazing ministries right here in our community and in this area. And I believe God is calling us to take a step of faith and we're going to be giving 10% of our total offerings during the month of November and December. And we're going to give them back to this, give that back to these local ministries to further support them. Because, you know, this past year and more has been a challenging financial year for so many of these ministry partners that, uh, that we're doing this kingdom work together with. And so we want to go above and beyond what we would normally give to them. And we give each month to these ministries. We're going to go as a church above and beyond that to bless them with additional resources to meet the growing needs uh, in our area. And so I'm going to ask you to join me in making a difference as we finish out this year. So right before we dive in, would you just uh, pray with me? Father, as we open up your word, we just pray that you would be with us, whether we're in our living room or watching this from our, our, our car <laughs> on our phone. Lord, wherever we're at, Lord, that you would just lean in close to us. And Jesus, I pray that you would be our teacher today. God, that you would use me in that, but Lord, what's from me and my input, Lord, would diminish, but that you would teach us and guide us into truth and life today. We thank you in your name. Amen. Well, over these past weeks in this series we've been in called God Is, we've been looking at the names of God and how those relate to his character and who he really is. In the first week, we looked at this name Yahweh, which is the all-encompassing name of God. And it's translated, uh, you know, as they were doing the Bible into this English word that we have, Jehovah. But understand that that is this holy name of God, the name that is personal and powerful. And so that was the first one we looked at. Then we looked at Jehovah Jireh, that God is our provider, and Jehovah Shalom, that he's our peace, and Jehovah Nissi, that he's our banner, and Jehovah Rapha, that he's our healer. And last week, we looked at that he is Jehovah El Roy, that he is the God who sees me. And again, we've been looking at these names so that we can better know who God is, his strength and his kindness and his character. And I hope over these last weeks that you've had a moment maybe more than one moment when you've thought, I didn't, I didn't know that about God. Like I, that was the first time I'd heard that. And maybe it opened up a new vista, a new perspective uh, of God. But the name we're looking at today is Jehovah Rohi. And this means God is my shepherd. Now, what's amazing to me as we've looked at these names is how they flow all through the Bible from the Father and Jesus. We have, we have God, you know, as this three in one, and we see it in all elements of him through the New Testament and the Old Testament, these names and these character of God flowing through. Jesus answered questions numerous times with this phrase, I am, which is the basis of this Hebrew name of God, Yahweh. And we see Jesus as the provider, this, this uh, Jehovah Jireh, as he fed the 5,000 and he cared for the needs of his followers. We see Jesus as the, the God of peace when he says, my peace I give to you. 
When we think about you know, Jehovah Nissi, that God is my banner, we see Jesus being the banner when he said, come to me, all you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I'll give you rest. What was that? He became the standard. He became the rallying cry, our defender and our strength for us. We see Jesus as the healer over and over again as he reached out and he touched and restored and he set free people who were broken and wounded and lost. And he was the one who set them free and brought healing to them. He was El Roy, the God who sees when he saw the woman at the well. Everyone else had dismissed her and she was just kind of on the, on the outskirts, on in the margins. And Jesus saw her and saw value and worth in her. We, we see the leper who everyone was passing by and Jesus saw him and went to him and, and touched him. And it was, it was this giving a value and worth and, and truly seeing them. And even when the children came to Jesus and the disciples were like, no, 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 you know, keep them away. And he says, hey, let the kids come to me because the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. He saw worth and value in the woman caught in adultery and in the despised tax collector. So all through the Old Testament, you see these names of God reflect, again, the heart and character of the Father. And we get in the New Testament to see them lived out by Jesus, Father and Son and Spirit, three in one, bringing their heart, compassion, forgiveness, and strength through their names. But today, again, we're going to look at this Jehovah-Rohi as God is the one who shepherds us. And we're going to see Jesus' own words where he says, I am the good shepherd. Now, most of us have probably never seen a shepherd in action, right? We've seen it in movies. We've seen it maybe in TV shows. We've seen it in, in pictures. But probably very few of us have actually seen it in motion. Now, around here, in the Central Valley of California, we're, we're maybe way more familiar with, with cows and seeing them herded towards a barn getting ready for, for milking. And maybe when you think of sheep and shepherd, you think of a guy sitting on a hill, you know, watching the sheep with that, you know, that crook in their hand. Or you think of that shepherd, you know, walking along trying to get the sheep from point A to point B, right? Getting them from here to there. But I think the part that's more challenging for us to understand is what's beyond the task of simply moving sheep. Because what's beyond that is the heart of a shepherd. And it's not just to be a transportation guide, but the heart of a shepherd is to care for and to provide for and to guide and to nurture the flock, these sheep. It's more than just a herding job. And I'll tell you, if you're a parent or a teacher or a coach, or you've ever done even a little bit of those in some other kind of, of setting, if you've ever volunteer, volunteered to help with a VBS or a kid's class or, or anything like that, you actually have a better grasp on the heart of a shepherd. Because yes, you're guiding, but you're providing protection and care. So I think when my kids were little and we would be, let's say, in the city or something and we're getting ready to cross the street and it would be that, okay, everyone take hands, take hands, take, take hands, you know, and, and we would all come together across the street. Now we were getting from point A to point B, 
But really beyond that, what we wanted to do is care for and protect and to make sure that our, our kids stayed close and didn't wander away. I can think of taking our family when our kids were little to, to Disneyland or maybe even something local like the, like the fairgrounds or even going to a mall or something like that. And there was always that stay together, don't get lost. And then you're going along, it's wait, 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 Peter's shoe came off, hang on a second, you know, get everyone around, stop for a second. That's what happens when you're, you're acting in those ways, but really it's the heart of a shepherd. Coaching kids soccer. Man, I've done enough of that. It's like you're pointing at everyone, no, everyone go that way. Follow the ball. Wait, don't all try to kick the ball at once. You're trying to, what's the phrase we use? Herding cats. Sometimes it, it feels that way. But there's something, there's something powerful in that. There's a picture in that. Something that we get at a heart letter, le- level because we've either led ourselves or we've been the ones being led in probably hundreds of situations like that. And again, it's a picture of shepherding. Now, the actual definition of a shepherd is this, a person who tends, herds, feeds, and guards a flock of sheep. Pretty simple, right? Sounds easy. I mean, how hard can shepherding be? They're just watching over the sheep. And we kind of have this perception of sheep being kind of dumb animals that just follow along with anything that goes on. But just this year, there was a study done by zoologists that showed that sheep are actually fast learners. They're actually quick problem solvers. They can actually learn to make alternate decisions based on color and shape, and they adapt quickly uh, to different survival skills. And the reason why they're so quick to follow the other sheep around them is because of how quickly they work together as a team to follow a, a kind of a central, a group decision that's been made. And this is the animal that the shepherds spend their lives trying to oversee and guard and protect and make sure is on track. And they do, again, three key things. They provide protection, they supply food, and they provide care. And the entire life of the sheep is dependent on this one who is guarding, protecting, and providing them. It doesn't take us too long to see the spiritual connections and connotations of that. And there are a lot of scripture in the Bible about God being our shepherd. And one of the most well-known is this 23rd Psalm that we're going to read today. Many of you may even be able to quote this entire passage, but have you ever really stopped and paused to consider what David wrote in this 23rd Psalm? In fact, the resources below, you'll see there's life group questions. And I would encourage you to download that. And even if you're not in a group, to take those and walk through them, to dive into this passage a little bit more. And at the very end of those life group questions, I really encourage you to to read through it again and just kind of let the truth of it bubble up and just see where is God, what's God kind of bringing to the surface as you read through this? So I'm going to do it right now. I'm going to read through that. And I want you, you know, maybe if you're comfortable closing your eyes, I know it's weird if you're watching a video, but just close your eyes. And I want you to visualize this scene that David is painting. Maybe even try to put yourself into that scene. Like, what would it have been like? What would it have felt like? And what, what would a, 
uh, a meadow look like and what would the stream look like and and what does it look like when you go into a dark valley so try to put yourself there and see how this is happening now before you close your eyes know that as david is writing this he's reflecting on his relationship with god but he's doing that through the context of remembering what he himself was a shepherd responsible for watching over and caring for his dad's sheep he protected them by fighting off predators. He fed them. He watered them. He moved them from pasture to pasture. And this is an enormous responsibility. Now, I, I know for myself, I celebrate when my, when my teenagers were young, when, when they cleaned their room, made it to school on time, and got a job. I mean, that was like, woo! Imagine having the responsibility of, of this flock and caring for all of their needs and making that happen. And now here David is, as king, in the middle of all the chaos and pressure and stress of, of being the leader of a nation, thinking back and making a connection between him being a shepherd as a kid and now shepherding God's people. And how Jehovah-Rohi, the good shepherd, is still shepherding him. It's more than a picture of a shepherd's job, but a shepherd's heart. So now, close your eyes, and I want you to hear Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows, and he leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength and he guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk to the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies and you honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Now the very first verse goes back to God being Jehovah Jireh, right? Providing all that we need. David even said, you know, I, I have all that I need. But I want to fix our thoughts on David making a very declarative and personal affirmation that the Lord, and notice if you have your Bible out that that Lord is in all caps or at least is in, uh, what do they call it, uh, minor caps. So it sets that word Lord apart. And remember what that means? That means that that word Lord is actually this name, Yahweh, the all-encompassing, personal, powerful name of God. He's recognizing that the Lord, Yahweh himself, is my shepherd. And that this great, good, powerful shepherd is taking care of, of me in every sense of the word. And it's from here that David begins to go into specifics. So if you have your note sheet, I want you to write this down for number one. The first is this. The good shepherd cares for me. The good shepherd cares for me. David is admitting that God is his shepherd, his one and only He's not getting mixed messages. He's not following here and then following there. But God is his one and only shepherd. And that he himself is a sheep in God's flock. And God is caring for him. But as he writes this, it's almost like he's speaking on our behalf as well. Maybe on behalf of all the rest of humanity. That if he's our shepherd, then we're the sheep. 
It's how the Bible describes this. Later, David wrote this in Psalm 100. He said, acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us, we are his. We are his people, here's this phrase, the sheep of his pasture. So if you have your sheet out, I'm gonna give you several other things that just kind of briefly I want to, to walk through with you around this whole idea that God cares for us. Because we think, well, what are some other ways that Jehovah Rohi, our shepherd, cares for us as his sheep? Well, the first is this. He brings peace and he brings protection. Ezekiel 34, it says this, I myself will tend my sheep, this is God talking to us, and give them a place to lie down in peace. See me right now, maybe in a situation, a time, a season in your life where it seems like peace is a million miles away. And we even looked at that a few weeks ago, that one of God's names is he is the God, the mighty one who brings peace. But what does that look like for us? And Ezekiel writes, you know, God of God's heart, I myself will tend my sheep and give them a place to lie down in peace. I think of when my kids were little, like really little, and maybe they had a bad dream. Maybe something startled them in the night. Maybe they weren't feeling well. And if you've ever, as a parent, you've, you've slept with that one ear open and you hear that cry or that whimper, or maybe they even show up in your bedroom and they're scared and you bring them into to bed or you, or you take them back and you kneel down and you go, hey, hey, hey. And, and maybe you pray with them. I know I did with my kids numerous times and you stroke their hair and for my kids, rubbing their, their eyebrows, just allowed them to close their eyes and saying, shh, 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 it's okay, it's okay. And you allow them to just lie down in peace. Can I tell you that spiritually, internally, God comes alongside us and goes, shh, shh, shh it's okay. I've got you. You can trust me. I know this is chaotic. I know it's scary you're in my hands. It's how God cares for us. It's how he brings peace. Then the, another part of that is, is that he searches and brings me home. Ezekiel 34, God says this, I will search for my lost ones who strayed away and I will bring them safely home again. We're going to actually look a little bit more of that in, in just a moment. But knowing that God goes after us, he pursues us, he wants us to come home. He's not, he's not satisfied when we're, when we're lost and wandering because he loves us too much. So he, he searches. He goes after us so that we can come safely home. A third part of that is that he never abandons me. In, in Psalm 23, again, we just read, it goes, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me and your rod and your staff protect and comfort me to know that I don't need to fear because God isn't going to somehow abandon me and walk off and do his own thing. But the Bible says over and over again that, that God is close to the brokenhearted, that he will never walk away, that he will never leave us, that he will never forsake us. We can know that he's close. Then we see that he restores me spiritually. Write that down. He restores me spiritually. Verse 3, it says in Psalm 23, he renews my strength and he guides me along right paths. Sometimes I'm on the wrong path, but God wants to restore me, to bring me back to the right path to walk on. And it brings honor to him as it restores me. Unfortunately, though, as much as our shepherd knows what's best for us, just like real sheep, 
we don't always follow our shepherd. And sometimes we wander away. Sometimes we make the choices that distance us, at least in our souls, from God. Now, we know he's not gone anywhere. But we have that sense, that feeling that, wow, where is God at in this? And sometimes we just kind of thumb our nose at God. We raise our fist. We say, I'm going to do my own thing. But God doesn't abandon us. In Isaiah 53, here's what the Bible says. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him, Jesus, the sins of us all. So I want you to think for a moment. What are some of those times in your life where God has been Jehovah-Rohi, your shepherd? And you might be saying, I don't know about my past, but I could sure use a shepherd right now because I have wandered off. I have made some decisions and choices. I feel isolated from God. I feel distant from any kind of a faith family. And I feel like I'm in danger, like the enemy is coming after me. Maybe you feel emotionally hungry and thirsty and you feel spiritually lost and you have no peace. And you think, Dave, I need a shepherd. If that's you today, look what Jesus says about himself being the good shepherd. In John 10, he says, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. Jesus goes on to say this in verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me just as my father knows me and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. And then he says this, I have other sheep too that are not in this sheepfold and I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. Now, just in case you're wondering, like, who's Jesus talking about here? It's not some aliens out there. It's not those on other planets. Jesus was referring to Gentiles. And what that means is those who weren't Jewish. And guess who that is? It's me. It's probably you. You don't, that's not your ethnicity to be from Israel and, and to be of a Jewish persuasion. It's, it's just not. So understand when Jesus was first speaking this, he was talking to the Jews. He was, he was part of that culture. That, that was him. But he was saying, listen, there are other sheep too. And it was this foreshadowing that he was going to make a way for all people to come to know him. No matter our background, no matter our status, and I know that there are probably so many of us, maybe you, who feel like you just don't belong and maybe never can belong. That God could never forgive or open his arms to you. But listen to what Jesus said again. I have other sheep too that are not in this sheepfold and I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. Tell you what that is. It's a promise and it's an invitation that you are loved and pursued by a loving father, a good shepherd who has hope and life and care for you. Write this down for the last one and then we'll close. The good shepherd sacrificed his life to save me. Now we already heard Jesus saying these words, that he will lay down his life for his sheep. Jesus did that on our behalf. The good shepherd was willing to save and rescue the sheep by putting his own life at risk. Now you think about a shepherd, they'll lay awake at night to make sure that nothing happens to the sheep. And a good shepherd will sacrifice his own needs and his own comfort, his own wants to ensure that the needs of the sheep are met. 
Jesus is our shepherd. And his love and his care and his concern for you and for me is more than we can even imagine. And each of us, each of us was designed and created to live in union and relationship with him, to be a part of his family, to be a part of his flock. Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of Jehovah Rohi, our shepherd. And again, we've read scripture about how he cares and how he leads us in paths of peace. But his ultimate purpose was to save his lost ones, to save you and to save me. And if that feels like, Dave, that's where I am, know that Jesus came to find you, to pursue you, to rescue you. In fact, Jesus told a story about a shepherd and a lost sheep. Jesus said this, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others on the hill and go out to search for the one that was lost? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he will rejoice over it more than over the 99 that didn't wander away. And in the same way, it is not my heavenly father's will that even one of these little ones should perish. Then Jesus drove home his point that this was his mission statement. He says this in Luke 19, for the son of man came to seek and to save those who are lost. Jesus, the shepherd, isn't content just to do business as usual. Just to go, this is fine, just us four and no more, or us 99 and no more. It's just let's circle the wagons and just kind of be safe. But he goes after us when we're lost and when we're wandering and when we're struggling. Jesus left heaven itself to come looking for his lost sheep. And he comes looking for you. No matter how often or far you wander away, he will always keep searching for us. And if we will only let him, he will rescue us and bring us home. Jesus said this in John 10, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me for my father has given them to me and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the father's hand. The father and I are one. My sheep listen to my voice. What does that mean for us today? You're sitting in your living room, watching this on your phone. You got a break at work. You decided to catch up. You're going, what does that mean for me today? It means that Jesus has given everything. He sacrificed his very life on our behalf. And he didn't end there. We know that's the Easter story, right? On that third day, He came to life again, to take up life again, so that you and I can not just be forgiven, but we can live an abundant life, a new life, a transformed life in him. And if we make the choice to follow him, he will lead us to become more and more who he created us to be, to fully engage in life. In Hebrews 13, it says this, Now may the God of peace, who brought up the dead, brought up from the dead, our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep and ratified an eternal covenant with his blood. May he equip you with all you need for doing his will. And may he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ, every good thing that is pleasing to him. All glory to him forever and ever. Amen. When we follow our good shepherd, Jehovah Rohi, we will be able to say along with David in Psalm 23, surely your goodness and your unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray.
Father, I thank you. That you're the good shepherd. And Lord, I know for myself as kind of a sheep, <laughs> sometimes my pride and my ego and my will gets in the way and I'm going to do my own path. And I'm going to go my own way. And you gently and lovingly, you pursue me to bring me back to safe places, to bring me back to, to green meadows, to restore my strength and my soul. That when I walk through dark valleys, you're not far away, but you're up close. And God, you, you set before me a, a feast, nourishment and life, even in the midst of conflict and problems and the enemy coming against me because you love me. And Lord, for each person listening, Lord, I pray they would know that you love them and your desire to have them walk in your ways and experience your peace and your joy and your comfort and your presence. God is a good shepherd. You are for us. And we thank you for that. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. As you head out, whatever today holds for you, whatever this week, whatever this season has for you, Remember who he is, that he's the shepherd. And during this, this week of Thanksgiving, thank him, thank him for who he is and what he's done. Let me leave you with this, Psalm 79. We are your people, the sheep of your flock, and we will thank you always, forever and ever, we will praise you. Have a great Thanksgiving, have a great week, be blessed and be a blessing.